Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It, it's totally a study of sort of toxic masculinity in 1970s teenage American men seen through the lens of how they feel about their cars. And the twist here is that the car that this particular teenage nerd gets to raise his cool factor is evil. It's a living evil car, which has driven at least one other person to murder and desperation. And it's all about this relationship. This boy gets, he gets darker and darker. His spirit turns bleaker and bleaker. The more he falls in love with Christine, the car, and as his sort of social standing raises, so does his emotional state deteriorate due to the influence of the evil car, Christine. Hello film fans, joining us today in our studio we have Tom, Hello, Felix, Hello, and Kobe, (laughs) Hi, and we're here today to review John Carpenter's Christine. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty mighty tunes and thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watch Podcast. Joining us today, we have Tom and Felix. Hello. I am the Tom one. Please say hello and introduce yourself <laughs> to He's our the Felix listeners. one. Hello, my name is Felix. This is Felix's ASMR episode of Flix Watcher. This is me moving a hairbrush. Could you peel this banana into the microphone, please? My t-shirt. While I wank. <laughs> Straight away leaning into the uh, swearing aloud. and We've we've popped open a beer and, and I'm going to get raunchy before the end. <laughs> well, we, we, I brought some beers in because we're recording on a Friday, but also to, to, to celebrate <laughs> that you, you were our first ever Flix Watcher guest before we'd we even were. released an episode. Mm, so you had no idea right. what you were getting into. Yeah. Episode number one. Mm-hmm. And you've come back. Yeah, I'm not sure who, which order we recorded, but you certainly were, we definitely hadn't had any episode. And you were released as episode number one for, with Pirates and Adventure with Scientists. Pirates and Adventure with Scientists. And the other film was The Woman in Daniel Black. Daniel Radcliffe. That's right, yeah. yes, with, yes. I like Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, I like <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. <laughs> Christmas ham. But yeah, thank you for joining us uh, when we had nothing recorded and you took a leap of faith and said, yep. this sounds like a good idea. Let's thank come and see Thank you for these guys. inviting us. That's I right. like Camden. I like Camden. I like films. Uh, I have Netflix, yeah. uh, and you're both extremely nice people to chat to. So I, it was very so you easy didn't know that to before, do. That's the point. No, he didn't. No. Yeah. Well, I assumed you weren't murderers, which was a bit of a, a leap for both of us. But we sure. decided there's two of us. We'll probably be okay. I wouldn't be okay with murderers. Okay. Even with you. Really? Well, you. I mean, you're quick, of course, but I would. <laughs> I'm lithe and surprising. Tom Crowley is surprisingly springy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and my meat's very stringy, so you don't want to eat, kill, and eat me. So we'd go for the Felix one first, is that what you're saying? Uh, yep, yep, go for Felix. Well, my, my escape plan was to throw Felix at you. Right, sure. Like Wolverine, uh, like so who is it? I Colossus can throw a Felix, Wolverine. I can throw a Felix, but not murder. David. No, no, exactly, no, no, no. David's too tall. Yeah. Um, Unwieldy. So we are talking uh, about Christine, Christine today, which is your choice, Tom. That's right, it was. Uh, can you tell us why you chose it and give us a synopsis in one minute or less? I absolutely love John Carpenter. I don't think I've ever seen a John Carpenter film I haven't enjoyed at least a lot. Maybe not a huge lot, mm-hmm. but they're all very enjoyable to me, at least a bit. Christine is 
it, it's totally a study of sort of toxic masculinity in 1970s teenage American men. Sure. Uh, seen through the lens of how they feel about their cars. They're obsessive about their cars. They want to look cool. They want to get girls, pick them up in their cars. And the twist here is that the car that this particular teenage nerd gets to raise his cool factor is evil. It's a living evil car, (laughs) which has driven at least one other person to murder and desperation. And it's all about this relationship. This boy gets, he gets darker and darker. His spirit turns bleaker and bleaker. The more he falls in love with Christine, the car, and as his sort of social standing raises so does his emotional state deteriorate due to the influence of the evil car christine helen christine so i hadn't seen this before um so i i was really looking forward to seeing it because it's obviously based on a stephen king novel yes it, oh, is. Is, it? Yes, it is one of the few uh, adaptations on john carpenter's work was yeah. it is the, is the book called christine as well yeah okay uh and you can kind of really tell that and I just really love the concept of a female car that is also a murderer. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, there was a lot of things that I really enjoyed about it. Um, There's some great special effects in this. There's some really awesome uh, car animatronics kind Mm. of going on. Um, It it is very, very, very much um, a seven, well, this is 80s adaptation of a Stephen King film by someone who traditionally made their name making horror films. Mm. So you liked it? Yeah, I did like it. Um, it kind of a little, little bit slow, but um, on the whole, I, I really liked it. And basically, there's this guy, Arnie, and he's kind of the nerd, and he ends up buying Christine where she's all broken up, and he's taken shop. So he does her up, makes her look his all... wishes. Yeah, makes her look all sexy, and then he kind of becomes like this sort of greaser and ends up pulling like the hot chick in school um but also he's secretly sort of becoming sort of semi-possessed by christine and gets really kind of upset if anyone says anything bad about her felix you're someone who doesn't drive do you appreciate cars i do drive oh do you oh i I don't drive oh you don't drive. i don't appreciate cars (laughs) do you know i do drive but i've only ever driven in france um, oh really? Yes, I got on a bicycle recently. Oh yeah, uh, which how was that? It's, it's like driving minus. Really? Wow! Tell me more. And I was uh, on my bike, uh, and there was a chap coming the other way, and I thought, oh, this idiot is on the wrong side of the road. Of course, I had done the thing where I was very much cycling on the wrong side of the road. Mm. I have never knowingly seen a John Carpenter film before. Or have read we never a watched the thing King. before or anything? No. Oh really? No, okay. I don't think we have. Sorry. Um, a Halloween? Halloween? Never seen Halloween. Mm. Escape to New York oh, or nope. LA? Nope. Uh, Starman. Starman. Nope. Starman is good. Starman's yeah. one often kind of slips under. It does, like, it does. He Did Did he write it? I think he did actually. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. I just, anyway, I, I didn't realise Starman. Starman's great. Does he, it's, I'm not sure he says John Carpenter Starman at the top, does he? Don't think I think it might do. Maybe, maybe, maybe now it does, yeah, because of now he's an auteur of legend. Right. The Fog? The Fog. I fucking love The Fog. I'm sorry. Who I, did... I knew the one Kurt Russell and the China. Um, Big Trouble in Little China, Big, yeah, Big that was him. Big Trouble in Little China. Was that, that was that, him. Was that I've seen none of these films. He's like the trash... Uh, God, I've forgotten the name of the most famous film director of all time. Steven Spielberg. Nope, the other one. <laughs> the, uh, Shining. Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick. He's like the, the trash, trash Stanley Kubrick. Trash Kubrick. He's made a million films, usually in a slightly different genre. Right. He got but, like he he got Christine and he got the Kubrick got the Shining exactly kind of thing exactly. I am very familiar with the name and uh, certainly the music style through you. You've introduced me oh, yeah. to those music kind of um, uh, synthesizing riffs, which I've then been able to pick up while watching eighties nostalgia stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. all of the John Carpenter references in Stranger Things completely would have gone over my head yeah. if yeah. I'd not gone, oh, this is what Tom's talking That's about. That's what I well, I always bang on about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I saw John Carpenter live performing in schools. I actually saw Alan Howarth, who was his regular synth collaborator, one Halloween. Right. And one of the friends I went, this is at the uh, Union Chapel in Islington. Oh, really? That's and, uh, a smaller place. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. Well, Alan Howarth was there. And then he did the Troxy in East London. Right. Uh, and, uh, well... So we saw Alan Howarth at the Union Chapel, and then my friend said, John Carpenter's coming back next Halloween. He's coming here. Do you want to see him at the Troxy? And I said, yeah, yes. And I saw both uh, each year in sequence, and it was just wonderful experiences. Hayley Campbell, who's a friend of mine, was also at John Carpenter uh, around the same time as me uh, at the Troxy, and she said it was like going to church, which I think puts it <laughs> it puts it puts as be- better than I ever could. He's, he's brilliant. So anyway. your, first, your first experience, your first dabbling in John Carpenter, were, what were your thoughts? 
I had a lovely time watching it. I think it's a film... Uh, I'm not um, classically really a horror person, which is why he's probably passed me by. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think it's a film that has a lot of great bits. I'm not sure that I enjoy it as a complete film. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it. I mean, it works. It tells a story, <laughs> uh, but it it sort of fasts forwards through a lot of the thing that I would have wanted to see, like how he fixes up the car. Um, to, oh really? Yeah, That's I like. I enjoyed all. You all like the shop stuff. stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, and kind of just skips a lot of the character development to go. And now he's evil because. See, I don't know. See, I was thinking actually, this film made me think about what it is I love about John Carpenter so much, and I think it's that he shows immense like class and restraint in writing. And no class or restraint at all in the filmmaking. Because <laughs> I heard the episode where you talked about the thing. Yeah. And you watch that. And really, there's no, it's it's all show, don't tell. Mm. Like it's all just going, you see someone, and often silently, because I think he is like a filmmaker first. And his composing and his writing come out of wanting to make films. Yeah. So things like so many films, there are lovely little, very subtle background changes of character development, but it's quite low on dialogue. Like, you know, it's why Halloween's so good, but Jamie Lee Curtis's character is one of the best female leads in a horror ever. She never has a strident scene where she defines her moral character. She mainly just complains because her friends told Ben Tramer that she fancies him and she's really embarrassed. And I go, I believe in this woman. And I think similarly for me, Army in this, he's, it's, it's, it's not an amazing, like, incredibly so Army's, unique... Army's the, the guy that buys Christine. Buys, yeah, Army, no. the, the lead, the nerd who, who turns cool but evil. He's, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, fair enough, I think you're right. It, is, it isn't explored a lot, but part of me does go, yeah, I get it. Yeah. He's evil now. Christine's yeah, evil. I, I'm well. He he kind of he's not evil himself. He's just a little bit possessed by some kind of like desire because mm. he doesn't actually kill the. So basically, um, he, he takes the car takes revenge on um, the the jocks who've been People kind of bullying army. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who <laughs> shat on the dashboard. Yeah, so they, they they break into where the car is kept overnight and um, smash it up and shit in it. And uh, the car takes revenge because he's not actually driving at the time. So I was thinking about this. So there, there are points where it's not clear whether he is behind the driver's seat I think or not. Sometimes you see there's no one driving the car. There's at some points the car and the windows are properly blacked out. Yeah. So you can't because they had stunt drivers driving the car. Yeah. Whether or not there's meant to be anybody in. There. Yeah, that's it. So it's just, it just made it easy, and they, those tend to be at night. Mm. I found one thing I found slightly jarring is how like randomly chaotic evil the bad guys were, the, the jocks. For, oh, the bullies, yeah. Yeah, for no particular reason, they just seem to be the worst. But I think they're just pieces of shit, yeah. Like. <laughs> but, it's just, but they, one kid has a Swiss knife and gets beaten up by, um, by matey boy's friend. What's, it, what's he called again? Yeah, man, uh, Army's Army, best, best buddy, friend. what's his name? Um, yeah. which, I, which I thought was quite a weird scene because there's three bigger guys and he managed to beat them all up and then tell the teacher and then there's no kind of retribution for those guys. By the way, do you recognise one of the who one of the uh, jocks were the bad guys? No, who's, no. who's this? What are you about to tell us? Well, when it first came on the screen, I was like, "Is that Rick Moranis?" And I was like, "No, but something to do something a bit weird about him." But he was the guy in Ghostbusters. Uh, Bill Murray's doing a paranormal trick with the with the cards at the uh, start. Okay, mm. is that shocked him? Yeah, and there's, there's a guy that gets shocked. And so I was is like, he the lead bully? No, he's the like the medium bully. He's not medium. The, well, he's not the he's not the fat one, and he's not the the big tall one with the with the switchblade. Yeah, it's the other guy. He's um, he's the guy in in Ghostbusters. Well, that's the right right time, really, for this. Yeah, nineteen eighty three, and I was like, yeah, good. Good. I'm glad Bill Murray took the piss out of you. Um, yeah, you know, speaking you of the beat cast- up Cuntingham, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I uh, loved about this film was the the side characters. Mm. I mean, the younger cast less, but the older cast are so beautifully cast and so beautiful. Like, I think of the guy that sells him Christine. Who is? Oh, yeah. I He's think super of the weird. garage so he, owner. So that guy that sells him Christine is the the kid that Kevin was scared of in Home Alone. He's the sol- the street salting man ah, that Kevin's frightened of. Yeah. I'm selling this shit hold by me a candle. Yeah. He's brilliant. Sorry, Karen. Karen uh, Felix, yeah, no, so... Uh, who else is the there? guy who owns the, the, the mechanic car? Yeah, yeah he's, so he's great. Who, Such a disgusting we're man. He's brilliant. Whether or not that is the proto example of that character in American culture, or yeah. whether it comes from earlier, because the I kind think of it's predates that. Well, like a that, benevolent weirdo. No, no, no. Like a, literally mechanics. Oh, okay. If you think. <laughs> 
tobacco chewing scumbag yeah, who runs yeah. a junction. If you think of like the vest wearing mechanic in Futurama who's got always got like the fat the cigarette sticking out of his lips. Sal, who always pluralizes everything. Yeah, him. He seems to be a direct descendant from this very specific character. And I wonder whether this archetype comes from film or, or if there is something more specific. I'll yeah. posit to you, this is a theory, I haven't researched this. I bet you that guy who played the guy who runs the junk yard and car maintenance workshop, oh. I bet you he was in 10 million films Didn't playing that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he seems the type. I think um, this also has a lot of lineages with um, a lot of high school films. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of tropes that was followed from I was going to say as well about the, the bullies and the, um, uh, the older characters... <laughs> There's something about this which it's got a bit of the John Hughes about it. Mm. Like I think so you had the parents who were like had their particular yeah their priorities and they're yeah. imposing pressure on an army, which is partly why he seeks independence yeah. and dry, you know throws himself into the arms of Christine. But everything is I think because it's a horror film and it's Stephen King, John Carpenter, two brands that are known for being like a bit full on, a bit you know re- remorseless. You know you have the everything is just a bit more extreme mm. in a way that I quite like. Like, I've alluded to it before, but the, the as of with the rest of us, but the, the switchblade wielding, like, lead bully is so, like, the most terrifying guy at the high school. He's got mutton chops. It looks like he had his sort of growth yeah. spurt at the age of 12. Oh, yeah. And now he's just kept looking older. Ever since. He, <laughs> he looks 30, like a lot of people in high school movies do. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it seems intentional. Like, he's the guy who hit puberty at nine. Again, the principal who stops him is fabulous. He's great, yeah. And he's really believably, like, everything's a bit like, if you had, you know, it's not like he's a, yeah, don't your books, no. Cunningham. <laughs> he calls him, like, Cuntingham. That's the nickname he gives him. And the C-bomb that you hear is quite early in the film yeah. you go it's like they're and, setting and, their stall yeah yeah he keeps mm. doing it and you kind of go there's something that is a bit like oh we're just gonna be very sort of uh, we're not gonna mess about we're gonna be very sort of blunt and straight to the point and that i think his characterization and if you if you had time you could delve into his backstory and like his dad beat the shit out of him and sure. he's he hates the world now because mm. of all of these reasons but you don't you sort of get that that's who he is straight away and um and again as you say the the principal who comes in to break up the fight it's this really brilliant scene that I don't think I've seen done the same way in any other high school movie or, or you know, a teen movie, where it really is like, this guy has some degree of authority over him, mm. but he, he can't depend on that because this kid doesn't care about school or authority. No. So all he can do is sort of stand there willing the kid to believe that if it came to a fight, he'd fuck him up. And it's really tense. Like, you feel like any second that, that lead jock bully kid, that greaser tearaway, might just stab him. And it gets properly physical. It really does. He's shoving him against the wall and they're, like, about to go at it. And it just avoids it. And it was really tense. And I've, I've never seen that teacher-people dynamic done quite so well. No. Because, like you said, that guy, Switchblade guy, was coming up to 40. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and was towering over the teacher, but mm. the teacher just had that kind of authority. He's been there, done that before. And he's like, oh, he's a rough bastard, basically. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of amazing. Kind of... Mushroom chops. Looks like two paper aeroplanes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, his mouth huge. Uh, and all the high school kids, all the high school boys, I should say, were obsessed about. Oh, it, was, it kind of starts off like. Cunningham, you gotta you gotta lose your virginity. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, They're all obsessed. Gail, just in case. Why, which, what was this line? Gail, just in case. Yeah, she's like got a name and they call her something like Gail, just in case. As like a reserve kind of oh, thing. Oh, I see. So she's the backup. <laughs> so she'll have sex with anybody. I see. It's, yeah. And it's all it's all like that. It's all hormonal kids. And again, I think that's what... This is like before Porky's as well. I was quite, oh, I was was quite surprised that there was no nudity in this. Yeah, no, although, it's pleasantly surprising. Although I'm not sure... does. Does Carpenter do that? It's not this kind of thing, is it? Not, not his thing. Yeah. No, I'm quite, I'm quite an advocate for Carpenter in terms of female characters because mm. he's not, you know, Halloween has it's the archetypal slasher movie. There's teen sex. I don't know how much male nudity there is in it, but there's certainly like there's 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 the scene where the girl's in the bed and she's got her tits out, which is like the the classic every teenage boy rewound it on the VHS and freeze framed it. I know what you're talking about. Like, what? Uh, <laughs> sorry, me neither. Me neither. But um, actually, I didn't see Halloween until I was older. But anyway, but it's that it's that sort of slasher movie titillation that that that's there for the teenage boys. But apart from Halloween, it's not that common. Mm. He's he's not that exploitative. And actually, in films like Assault on Precinct Thirteen, he's really good at introducing like a variety of female characters that are quite. Interesting. And like in this, there's only really three main characters. One of them is a woman who's a little bland, maybe a little nondescript, but has her moments of having a bit of agency mm-hmm. and being a bit independent, which is nice. And by the end, it's, you know, her and the other guy who are trying to save the day. And 
But Assault in Precinct 13 has two women in, in the leads, and one of them is a total mess in a very entertaining way. The other one is the the like steely coolest badass in any film. Mm. And I think he's always he's always had an eye on like racial diversity in his casts. And he's always had an eye on like female representation, almost by mistake. And it's never gone on about. It's just in films like Prince of Darkness, you'll have a huge diversity in terms of the actors he's cast in the main roles of, you know, the people who are there to try and solve the mystery and get knocked off one by one. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because he's sort of a, a hippie child who is all about like equality and progress, or if he was if it's just that he went, nah, this is the way films are going. I'm just gonna have a bit of, you know, a variety of who I'm casting. But I, I think there's something unsung about that to some degree, in a lot of his films at least. Um, Helen, you talked about special effects in this. And I'm, some of my favourite parts were like the car kind of unfurling itself and becoming whole again. What, is, that, is that what you're talking, referring yeah. to with the special mm. effects? Yeah, so basically the car gets smashed to shit and you're like, how can he ever repair this? And it turns out that it can self-repair. Mm. It's just basically, what does he say? like show show me what you've got or something oh yeah something like that yeah yeah and basically that it's just like goes in reverse and everything pops back and it's super shiny and it it looks really good yeah Mm. because even nowadays you think i mean that nowadays that would be cgi of course yeah but Mm. then that's a real car obviously they've done it in reverse but how they how they damaged it so 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 how did they do it in the first place so it, it came like became damaged so they can unfurl it without like smash marks or without these kind of things that's what i was looking at it's, it's yeah. clever though because we've we've had the we've reviewed the thing before mm. and obviously we've talked about the special effects there i mean john carpenter's always been about how can i use special effects and what can i do and how can i push things forward mm. and, and really do that but i've never seen this kind of special effect before no, or, or done really well like this i don't think i may be wrong about this but i think they put an industrial vacuum in the car ah. and made sure it was all sealed, you know, there were no sure. air cracks and then they just turned it on yeah. and then sucked the car in yeah, and then they played the sense. footage backwards, yeah. I think. How many cars do you think they had? Because oh, I that's think they do it a few times. Yeah, they do it a few times. Yeah. Well, they destroy more than one, Christine, so there's at least... I mean, there's one on fire for quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they could buff that out. Yeah, fine. <laughs> well, she could. Something else that um, I really, really loved, which... Um, has kind of been used a lot later in horror, particularly in like Final Destination, is um, the use of pop songs to sort of yeah, tell how yeah. Christine is feeling. Which, and Transformers um, too. That's right. In tra- mm, Bumblebee, Bumblebee speaks that way. Yeah. It's a rip-off. Anyway. <laughs> um, which I really like in horror films anyway, and I, I think it's a really fun way of trying to guess what kind of coming up next. The um, thing I also really liked is that in the opening sequence you see someone basically nearly get their arm chopped off by the car yeah. and then someone is killed inside the car so you've got two deaths pretty much in the space well, of that first instantaneously guy, yeah. yeah the second the guy who gets killed he obviously drops drops his cigarette ashes, cigar ashes in yeah. there, so, you know I can understand he's sentient he's on a beautiful like leather yeah, seat bra- upholstery just been made, yeah. just been made. Um, the first guy who looks like he was fixing her or just checking to make sure she was ready to be sold, that's a bit harsh, I thought, with the, with the arm. A born just, bad. Don't mess, don't yeah. mess. Yeah, bad, bad to the bone. That's one of the taglines we can see here on our wall of pictures. Yeah, yeah bad, to, bad the to the bone. Bad to the piston or something, I guess. Speaking about that earlier scene, one thing that I enjoyed about it and thinking about this in terms of films of the period it is, is it is steeped in 50s and 60s nostalgia. That's right. In a way that today we are steeped in 80s nostalgia. Yeah. I love seeing depictions of the past done in periods that are now very clearly the past. So this, obviously the choice of car is very much like harking yeah, back hot to... Hot rod, yeah, yeah. Um, but clearly the 50s must emblemise, certainly in the kind of American experience... This time of wealth and chrome and yeah, rock and roll in the was industry. And yeah. So for Cunningham, he's he's seen this car and thought, oh, that's the car I'd love to. He's he's loved he's seen this the car American before. Dream. He's mm. seen his magazines with it. He's kind of lusted after, and then there it was. And he's just taking shop, and he's like, this is my opportunity to to do something here. I can really make a mm. make my name. Make a name. I see it very much as a metaphor for the uh, lie of capitalism. Um, no, I don't. But it's but a it, nostalgia that we don't share. We don't have the no. same fifties nostalgia because. 50s for us was the time of rationing, um, rationing of poverty, of mm. um, there's um, I saw somewhere or other that the pizza was being introduced in the 50s in the UK and it was sold as the Italian rare bit. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That's the best fact we've had. That's I'm, amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and bring that back. The Italian rare bit? Yeah. 
I think it's the best. Felix and I are going to go for some Italian rare bit after we this. Are. Mm. Which sounds more sexual now, actually. I'm worried about that. Um, but it is fascinating, isn't it? Because you have that rolling nostalgia. Because this is mm-hmm. a film made in the 80s about the mid-70s, mm-hmm. I think. It's set mm-hmm. in like 74 or something. When clearly... In the 80s, they're nostalgic for that rock and roll uh, image, which is uh, reflected in the pop music they use of the 50s. And presumably that's what these guys grew up with, was that obsession with the 50s. But I feel like we have had 80s nostalgia for maybe 20 years now. And people are now diving into 90s nostalgia and people Uh, kind of pushing it on. I'm happy to stick in the 80s nostalgia for a bit. But this is the thing. Do you not want to buy yourself like a terribly patterned shirt, Kobe, and and walk around listening to... Yeah, yeah, shell suit maybe. Girls. Yeah, that's right. Listen to Spice Girls. Listen people to people uh, are, are doing nineties nostalgia, and it yeah. is it's not a non thing, but it's no way as big as nineties nostalgia has yeah. been. And I, I wonder what the next period of time is you, going to be. Is it the twenty tens? Is it the period up to the twenty tens? Does it have to be a time of of economic prosperity? The two thousands yeah, is interesting, I think, because they've got a very. You think you know, we all lived through the two thousands, and you go. Oh, there was nothing that descriptive about that. It was sort of a bit like the 90s still. But looking back, you do go, there really is something. Like I recently, me, me and my other half rewatched Rose, the first episode of New Doctor Who. It is so 2000s. Everything about it is somehow quintessentially oh, with, uh, 2000s. Oh, Billy, Billy Piper. That's right, yeah. Billy Piper and Chris Eccleston. Yeah. Billy Piper, for example, is dressed as a woman from the 2000s. <laughs> like, I did, just watch it, you'll see what I mean. It's hard Wearing to explain. low-slung pants. Yeah, low-slung, exactly, yeah. So low-slung, uh, not cargo pants, I don't think, in the first episode. Maybe jeans. Maybe yeah. like the slightly flared, skin yeah, exactly. things. Flared boot-cut jeans. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, the boot-cut. Uh, a, a couple of vests on top of each mm. other and then variations on that. What She's were those, what was Levi kind of twisted, what twisted jeans? Oh, twisted jeans. That was like late 2000s, wasn't Good it? Lord. Yeah, what a strange no, that, idea. That was, I had mine in, <laughs> I had mine at the turn of the millennium. So oh, did you? Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. I remember the adverts on Eric. TV with rup, the, rup, rup. that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. A couple of points before we get to the scores. Yeah, go for it. Uh, the lady, uh, his Cunningham's love interest, everyone's love interest, it seems, mm-hmm. in the whole film, mm. um, is, she was in Baywatch. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was, she was Alexandra Paul. She was, I can't remember what her ah. name was. But I think she played second or third or fourth field to uh, Pammy. Pam, Pammy Anderson. Um, and the question I want to lead into the scores is what, and I did ask you this, guys, on the emails, um, other sentient cars in films? Because it seems... Is it, is oh. The only thing I could think of is, it's not really that, was Steven Spielberg's duel, but it's the guy driving it. In, so, and that's a lorry. But an anyway. almost anonymous guy. It's like the vehicle yeah. is the enemy, isn't it? Yeah. So what about Herbie? You never watched Herbie? Herbie, he's evil, yeah. Uh, Herbie goes bananas. They got uh, Brum. Who? Brum. Brum, yeah, Brum was... What's Brum? Is that a kid? That sounds like yeah, a kid. Yeah, it was a kid's show. Yeah, Brum, yeah. Very much the children's is Christine. Evil? No. Oh. No, he's Brum, lovely. Brum went out, had an adventure. <laughs> Maybe he'd upset a literal apple cart or something. <laughs> and then he'd go back to his garage. Only by accident, though. Never yeah. on purpose. Unless you've got cars, then, if you're talking animation. It wasn't animation. I, okay. I mean, I assume they just closed, like, didn't film oh, the drive. Oh, yeah, they just drew the, oh. they just drove Brum well, around. Yeah. Right. But cars, it, cars are living, living, yeah. living cars. Yes. And talking 80s, it's Knight Rider as well. Knight yeah. Rider, and also Maximum Overdrive, I believe, is the Stephen King, another Stephen King product where all electronic products come to life and start trying to kill their owners. I think cars and trucks are involved in that. Are there any uncool ones? Apart from Brum. Uncool ones? Uncool. Brum's cool, what are you saying? No, okay. Uncool sentient cars. Jesus. Yeah. Are there any sentient cars who are just a bit rubbish? Well, there's loads in the film Cars. There's loads of like a yeah, Hicks I mean, and Moron. Yeah, rubbish. I guess it is a bit also of Transformers up until Bumblebee. Uh, yeah, true, true. I, mean, uh, I hear Bumblebee was technically great. Technically, robots yeah, in disguise. Though. Bumblebee's great. That's true. Mm. They were disguised as cars. Mm. Um, should we head to the scores? Let's go to the Flicks Watcher scores. Yes, please. Hello, I'm Sam Pay. And I'm Martin Zolt-Sorstwick. And we are the two hosts of a podcast called Song, Song by, by Song, where we listen every week to a track by the musical artist Tom Waits. Uh, you might know him for his gravelly voice. <coughs> very nice. His appearance in films, but also his multi-decade spanning career uh, involving blues, jazz, and all sorts of other kinds of experimental music. So we're basically like a book club for Tom Waits. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, you can find us at songbysongpodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. As always, the scores are out of five and you may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, Tom, with your recommendability, please. I should make a point that I'm incapable 
by religion to give any John Carpenter film anything less than five stars. So this will be very tedious. Uh, five. <laughs> Even Ghosts, Ghosts of Mars. I haven't seen Ghosts of Mars. All right, fine. That might get four. 4.5. But uh, yeah, no, this certainly is 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 uh, is no, a film I, I you've think... You've put it, that in my box. Ooh, that's true. That sounds quite... Felix has rude. been wrongfully ascribed a five. I do think, like, yeah, I think it's... Um, I think it's he's a genre of his own. You can sort of tell a Carpenter film and... I would say mostly for very good reasons. Mm. Again, we're going up to not as far as Ghosts of Mars, but maybe up to and including uh, In the Mouth of Madness. But, he had uh, a very, 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 very good period. A good run. 19, what? It, when when did something? Halloween come out? No, uh, Assault and Precinct 13 was like 72, 3. Yeah, it was probably about 10 years, 15 years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise you 20 years and I'm going to include In the Mouth of Madness, which I adore which is not on Netflix. Well, it's worth looking up. I believe it's tied... I actually don't think you can get it legally in this country because it's DVD release and I think it's streaming release is tied up in various complicated distributor lawsuits for some reason, just that one. And it's brilliant. But anyway, yes, it's, it's, I, I, I love it. I love... I think you can... I think they're very watchable John Carpenter films. I would recommend this to anyone. Felix? I think it's watchable, silly fun. I think if you're not a big horror person then I probably wouldn't point this to you in this direction but I would point it to someone who's into film and history of film I think it's probably the first depiction that I know of of this kind of thing that gets riffed off a million times afterwards uh, so I'm going to give it a 3.7 Helen I'm going to give this one a solid 4 um, I really did enjoy it I think it's a really good Stephen King um, Carpenter piece it is a little bit slow and i was expecting there to be maybe a little bit more gore a little bit more inventiveness with the deaths um from sort of a, a was, it, was it tend to be just run people over yeah or like they, they get hey, in the car and fall out of it was that big lad being rammed into a wall not enough for you <laughs> that was good but then the <laughs> other three it, yeah. were like killed off in a fire yeah which was a bit what about holland didn't the think christine killed the mechanic yeah. Oh, oh yes, yeah. didn't isn't the mechanic crushed into the dashboard? Oh yeah, squash, yeah. squash by the reclining seat. seats. Yeah. So <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, sorry. So you're going to. So that four. that was a good one. Um, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I I really really enjoyed it, but it is it is quite slow, and I think some people would probably have problems with the concept now mm. if you're not if you're not mm. used to growing up with other sentient cars. In yeah. Films. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how a modern horror fan would come to it without having kind of grown up with Stephen King or John Carpenter. Um, I'm not a horror fan. I didn't think this was scary in any shape, way, shape, or form. Oh, it's it's not exactly scary. No. Um, I thought some parts were nonsensical. I enjoyed it a lot, though. Um, the I agree with Helen in terms of the running, and I, I'm, this is tying in with what Felix said as well. Um, the running time seems a bit long for actually what happens in the film because you feel I think there could be more story development s- somewhere along the line. I feel that it could it could reshuffle it around because there isn't much character development Maybe of Cunty King because you're just time so- doing cool things because it's fun to watch the car doing cool things. Yeah, because mm. he just suddenly turns up one day with Alexander Paul and you're like, oh, oh, he's finished the car now, has he? And now he's now the car's trying to kill her, and there's, there's no kind of lead up into that. But then it's like. So it just—I think the timing isn't off. I think two hours would, would kind of work if it if it had been better paced all around and had better kind of story bits. In Possibly there. my my issue with it was while I was watching it, I couldn't work out who the lead was. Right. Work out the, and thinking back on it now, as you're talking, the lead is the car, but the car has no character arc. Just like the car it's just evil. Begins gets evil. evil, car. evil yeah. Ends evil. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, fair enough. So I'm going to give it. 3.8 I reckon um, I tell people who like horror-ish like the 80s I wouldn't even say it's 80s nostalgia this I think if you're interested in film in general I'd say yeah have a listen have a have a listen have a watch um, but nah, I really enjoyed it at the time but I'm not sure how easily readily I'd recommend it if someone said to me do you want should I watch it I'd be like, yeah watch it definitely repeat viewing score Tom. was that with me or Felix yeah me uh, five uh, it's, I've seen it twice now and I enjoyed it more the second time. Again, I find this with Carpenter generally. And I think, it, as I say, it was, it's that sort of combination of, of, of quite sort of uh, classily drawn scripts with a real love of, of filmmaking and the frame of the film. 
and just sensation. Gore, the car's on fire. Mm. Uh, every sort of cool angle or weird cut he can fit in. And the music, obviously. I sort of find that it's, 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 it's like a sort of very soothing, kind of inspiring thing for me, watching a Carpenter film. And no one else makes films like him. I like, felt that the car, like the car on fire... Um, must have been used in other films. I'm not sure if it's before, but certainly that kind of... The image. Yeah, the kind of image. It's very, it feels very familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I'm trying to think what that might be. But I'm sure it's happened. There's a Radiohead uh, oh, video. Oh, yeah, Carl Police, yeah. police yeah. from it inside. On, it wasn't on fire, was it, though? But it was still ch- it was chasing someone running down... Um, yeah, it does catch it on fire. Catch on fire, fire yeah. Yeah. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's an homage to Christine, you yeah. can say. But I'm going to say... I'm generally going to say five. I, I think every... Basically, where I can watch Karma, every... Car, police. Car, my police. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a new music video in joke that you've just got like yeah nice um, yeah no I, I, every John Carpenter film again I haven't seen Ghost of Mars or The Ward which as far as I know nobody has seen which is a film he made in the 2000s somewhere um, I haven't quite seen every Carpenter feature but everyone I've seen thus far I'd watch it again within a month or two if I, if I really was wanted to feel good yeah. Felix I enjoyed watching it I wouldn't choose to watch it again I wouldn't be angry if it was on. I'm going to give it a two. Oh, wow. Helen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an hour and 50, which is it's quite long. Um, and there were times where I was just a bit like, can we kind of move on to the next bit? Yeah, I'm going to give it a three. If someone said, oh, um, do you want to watch it? I've not seen it. I'd be like, yeah, sure, great. Um, probably going to probably watch it again, but not anytime soon. Mm. So what did you say? Sorry, three. Three. <laughs> I'm going to go for 1.5. I don't think I'm going to watch it soon. Gosh, wow. But I will, if it's on TV and I was doing stuff in the flat, then it would happily be yeah. on kind of thing. Because um, it has to be that film where I'm not that fussed about seeing it, but when I know there's cool bits coming up, I will like, look, stand in front of the TV for that, those kind of five minutes. Then go back to the iron. then go back to the other stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, small screen score. I uh, well, it's hard to say, actually. I think this is one which is better if experienced almost like a video nasty. I think some of his films like... Uh, again, in reference to your own episode about The Thing, mm. I did see The Thing on re-release in the cinema with my friend Nathaniel Metcalf, who if you've not had on Flixwatcher, you should, because he's a real Nathaniel, fan. come on, Flixwatcher, man. Yeah, come on, Nat. He's a, he's a brilliant stand-up comedian and an excellent film buff, but he he knew. So they re-released it for, I forget which anniversary, 30, 40 something. Mm. Uh, it must have been 30, I think. Was it 40? Anyway, and it, they released it in the cinemas for one day. It wouldn't be, thir- it wouldn't be 40. Yeah, it wouldn't be 40, 40 yet. Yeah. When did it come out? Anyway, 30, 30. or something. 30th anniversary, something like that. And it was on in cinemas for one day. I hate that because it did that with Terminator. And I couldn't yeah, get yeah, to yeah. cinema yeah. that Terminator 2. I couldn't get to cinema that one day. It was just like, give me two days. Exactly, yeah, two day, a weekend, yeah. like anything. But yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, but I thought it was gorgeous on the big screen. But I think with Christine, it's a lower budget pro- premise uh, and, and outcome than, um, than the thing is. Uh, I think Halloween, the experience of watching it in a group is wonderful because of all that tension. This one, I think, is a real good home view. So I'm going to give it five again. <laughs> Felix? I think you do need to watch it in the cinema. Well, I really? need to. But I think it's uh, that this film's strongest elements are the spectacle of it. And the uh, most of the second half is given over to special effects, practical effects, um, and a car on fire. And that's better in a cinema. So um, I've said it. I've said it. I'm not taking it back. Fine. Um, So I am going to give this a three. Helen. So I do get what you're saying about kind of, it has that sort of video nasty kind of vibe. So I did enjoy uh, watching it at home uh, very much. And I was really impressed how kind of, shiny and crisp it looked as well mm, it did really look amazing and i i kind of i think that's I, because it's been shot well yeah it's films... like this is like from 83 yeah it it looks it looks really good um mm. it doesn't look at, at no point do you look at the car and go oh that could have been a model or that kind of looks a bit fake yeah. or that kind of looks you know not real in obviously the sense that a car being possessed is real yeah. so while I did enjoy watching it at home, it did sort of think that obviously because we've had the we reviewed the thing fairly recently that maybe I should venture out and watch more John Carpenter on the big screen. But Prince Charles will definitely have. They're always doing seasons. Yeah. I haven't been to enough of them. I haven't been to enough. 
I'm not quite sure whether I want to do an all-nighter of John Carpenter. I feel that maybe. I think they they've done it both really. They've yeah. done like the mega. I mean, I don't want to do the pajama party. I've got a home to go to. Why would I do that? Yeah. But um, I they did also do a, a screening. I think because. Oh, uh, Shout Factory or somebody released like digital remasters of all of his films and they showed all of them on different nights. Right. But they're always showing. They're, it's exactly like that. Uh, David Cronenberg, uh, Stanley Kubrick, all these people are like Prince Charles, you know, catnip. They can't get enough. <laughs> um, so score? So 4.5. Um, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on a few points there, Helen, because um, we've had a few films recently one being sense and sensibility which is out at the moment which um was shot in the 90s but i don't think it looks that good it looks awful doesn't look as good angley sense i love the film i really uh, enjoyed the film but like it's shot on someone's it, but it might it might counter. be a bad netflix a bad transfer. transfer could be is that is it looking crap on netflix it just no, doesn't that surprises look very me. clear or yeah. very crisp or maybe a rubbish dop quality uh, but when compared to this which does look clear and crisp and like mm. quality it's quite it's quite it's quite startling uh, when you do notice that kind of difference. It does kind of take you out of the film a bit. Um, so I, I said, would look better on a big screen, but I had a lot of fun. I wouldn't see in the big screen though. I wouldn't. You wouldn't make the I effort. Wouldn't, I wouldn't make the effort. No, mm. I'm not that big a John Carpenter fan. I didn't really like the thing that much, as you probably heard in the. You make me sick, Kobe, and I'm not going to speak to you again. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think your Big Trouble in Little China is my favourite. It's um, really good. Yeah, it's, it's just, very good. It's just good for, I think because I caught it at the right time. Which again, referring nonsense. to Nathaniel Metcalf, he pointed out that um, the whole centre of Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. of Star Wars is basically stolen from Big Trouble in Little China because the whole movie, the Chris uh, Pratt character, is yeah. is doing the. You know, he goes up to, um, oh, what's that guy's name? That actor who's in everything, uh, Asian actor. Plays ben. the uh, evil lord in, in Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, David Hong, is it? I'm yeah. getting that wrong. Yeah, that's who's in, who's in um, James Hong. James Hong, who's in Wayne's World as well. That's right, yeah. yeah. And he goes up to him and says, yeah, you'll think twice before you mess with Jack Barton. And he goes, who's Jack Barton? And he yeah. goes, me, I am. <laughs> like, and that's very much Star-Lord's gag. Anyway, that was uh, that was his theory. What's a, what a bunch of a-holes. Yeah, oh, Sarah Finnewich. Uh, what did I say? You didn't. I didn't. So I'm going to go for going to go for four. Engagement score, Tom. Five. Um, no, I love it. I really do. And I th- besides my my brand new theory, which is debuted on Flixwatcher, by the way, about why I love John Carpenter so much, I do think that he's, you know, he's he's pulpy, but in the truest sense, in that he's obsessed with telling you like a thrilling story, mm. like visually, if nothing else. You can you cannot love his his aesthetic or you could not love his um his his writing style or something but you know him and, and also dean cundy who i think this is i'm not sure who also did the thing that the cinematographer Sophos, yeah okay i can't remember if this is him or not but anyway him him and the dops he works with they they just come together and they produce these beautifully shot and edited films and he i just think he loves he loves the films he makes and he loves making them from like top to tail yeah. which is why he does so many jobs within his films and i just yeah it's a it's a genre all of his own and i, I can't get tired of it it is like he's one man like um, mm. Workforce, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Astonished. He is. Uh, he he started using um, pseudonyms for several jobs. Like I think uh, Prince of Darkness is is written by Alan Quatermass, which is a name <laughs> he stole to pay homage to Nigel Neal's Quatermass experiment, and um, b- partly because cinema, like producers who were bringing him in or or um, uh, you know studios distribution networks were pointing at his posters and going, you know, there where it says written by John Carpenter, directed by John Carpenter, produced by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, yeah, uh, John by. Carpenter film, music by John Carpenter and Alan yeah. Howarth. It starts to look a little big-headed <laughs> so he started making up names to write his films under that's what robert rodriguez did for his first film um, oh did he yes i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but one before desperado and he did that as like a el mariachi el mariachi yes. yeah 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 so he did like half the stuff on there yeah and then he just made lots of names uh, <laughs> oh, great. Obviously, to obviously make it look like they had a full cast and crew and everything behind behind it to make him look like a I serious filmmaker yeah um all documented in his book um, he's got one book. I can't remember. Oh yeah, what's it called? It's it's got a cool name like um, oh, Rogue Filmmaker or something. Is I'll find it whilst I get your score. Yes, Felix. My score. You invited me round for lovely pasta bake. Yeah, I was going to say, does the pasta bake feature into your score? Yeah, you. you put, I'm going to take this very personally. You put broccoli into it. I did. Yeah, helping me get my vitamin C. I had a roux sauce as did well, and yeah, grainy mustard. Uh, at a time that I was struggling with a cold, so thank you for that. Oh, of course you were. Yeah, I'm glad that was helpful to you. Well, thank you. You uh, cured it. Good. Um, and I had a very nice time, and I didn't look at my phone, so it has to be a five. There you go. 
it's the book is called Rebel Without a Crew. That's it. Yeah. That's a really good fun book about how he paid for uh, El Mariachi by going to do the like clinical trials. Oh wow. So he, he paid for that. went to do those, wrote the script whilst there. Ah. Um so he wasn't paying for any accommodation. Yeah. Paid, all wow. his food paid for and stuff like that. I was like, that's dedication, mate. Don't yeah. teach you that in film school, do they? No. No, they do not. Um Helen engagement school. Um so yeah. I th- it's just is a little bit slow and the sort of the, the final ending is a little bit of an anticlimax, I think, mm. um, given what's come before it in that. Um, although the final kind of ending in kind of like the, not the twist, the... The last shot. The, yeah. The, it's not a twist, it's a... What are you referring to? The bit with the, the music and the... Come factor, the crash, the crush thingy. Well, and they the, like the, the catharsis. Reveal, I guess. The reveal. Yeah, 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 yeah. The reveal is a lot of fun. Um, yes. What's the reveal? Sorry, <laughs> I'm confused now. So the the car's being compacted, Cubed, and they yeah. sort of look at it, and they can hear like the the, the music. pop music, and, and they're like, it's still <gasps> trying to get out. Car, <laughs> but it turns out it's just some guy listening to it. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Um, so five. So what did you call? Sorry, uh, <laughs> all the fives. I believe she said uh, five. Yeah, it's just a little bit slow. So 4.7. I was kind of waiting for it to pick up and get going. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for a three here. Bounced around a bit. Oh um, and I did enjoy it. But I think the, the pacing around... I don't, I'm not sure slow is a word for me. I think just the, the pacing and the story structure could have been a bit more folded up. Um, so I'm going to go for... Did I just say the score? The three, you the said. Three, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that gives us... You put four there. Yeah, okay. Now, 3.8250. I think it's a very, very valid claim to say this is a four star movie. I love it. I think it is probably a four star movie. And I think that's totally appropriate. Were well, you just upgrading it? Mm. Well, you know, is- the recommendability average is just a four. So you, you could take that one. Yeah, there you go. That's the four. Oh, well, 3.82. Yeah, you round that up, surely. No, no because, one's giving something 3.8 stars. Come but the on. problem is you, you, you're rallying against all the other you're scores. You're rounding out 4.125 to 5. No, I'm rounding out 3.82 to 4. <laughs> oh, I see. There no, you but go. you're against all the other films that have their particular decimal places to 5. To that's five true, yeah. I mean, it's it's a game of margins. It's a unique yeah. scoring system which has caused... Um, Fights. Some, <laughs> Let's some, have one now. Some fights. You can round it to five. You can round it to four. You can round it to four. It doesn't matter. So uh, 3.8250 is the overall score. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Can you let us know um, how we can find you online and f- follow Felix's boats, uh, trials and tribulations? Boat updates, yeah. My boat update. I'm at Felix Trench on Twitter and Instagram. And as I live on a boat, sometimes I tell people about what's going on on my boat, uh, often trying to track down weird light bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> Boats are very strange light bulbs. I think that's strange, though. Was it just go to B&Q and get one? No, I eventually found it in Halfords. It was a very specific kind of indicator light, which is the right. one that is used for the three overhead lights in my galley. So I had a, a dark one, and I Kitchen. know where to go now. Thank you. <laughs> um, For land lovers, that's kitchen. <laughs> uh, do you have a head or is it a toilet? Uh, I, I've got a. What He's I got a head. A, I, I do have a head. <laughs> I have what's called a what I call a decorative toilet. In that I've got a kind of emergency camping toilet that I never use uh, because the thing about camping toilets is you have to empty them. Yes, I'm uh, prudish Not around interested. my own fluids. <laughs> You are you are such a square trench because like the the, the <laughs> salty funny. thrill of emptying your your poos and wees out of the out of the porthole that's part of the whole boat experience. You've not even experienced it. I'm at salty thrill on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram. Mm. I do like it also just to touch on it when it's bad weather, inclement weather. You seem I think oh no, what's what's happened to Felix's boat? Cause yeah. Then I find out the next day. Boat update. Uh, I've got tarpaulin now. Um, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> that was my old boat. He's got oh, a new got boat. One now. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I was on a boat that was a marriage between boat and shed, uh, right, which yes. didn't really have a working roof no. for, uh, well, most of the summer, but it was fine because we had uh, a very hot summer. I was thinking, because I was concerned during Storm Dennis and Storm Kira. Yes, so was I. And I'll tell you why I was very concerned during, uh, Storm Kira was fine, but Storm Dennis, we in the marina, all of us got an email from our harbour master. The harbour master sent out this email, which 
said, <laughs> folks, please make sure that your lines, that's the ropes, are secured properly. This is how to secure your ropes. And I was like, well, it's happening tomorrow. I don't know where you get new ropes from. I don't know how you secure new... And my ropes are overgrowing with moss. So I was awake the whole of Storm Dennis, which hit around... Properly, it hit around 10, 11 p.m. and then finished about 6 a.m. Oh, God. Um, absolutely convinced that I'd torn away from my moorings and was gently <laughs> drifting down the Thames that I was going to turn up in the evening standard mistaken for a whale. Oh, God, yeah. But it it's, was fine. It was absolutely fine. Your old boat was less a sort of boat and more of a floating coffin, wasn't it, really? So I found my I expected old boat's brochure. My right. My old boat was, it's specifically designed, it's an American boat, and it was designed for use on the American lakes. And oh. in the brochure, it says, this is a great How did boat. did get over here? Uh, presumably on the back of another I don't know maybe it hitched a ride <laughs> <laughs> by plane but the going to London yeah <laughs> <laughs> and just stuck out its thumb um, the the brochure that I found online said this is a great boat for up to two nights sleep <laughs> <laughs> up to two I lived on that for a year <laughs> you did that's why your spine is now completely C-shaped <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want a much nicer one now which has a fire and I've recently found the little pane of glass that fell out of the fire so I can fix it. So we can find you, follow your boat stories at Felix Trench. At Felix Trench. On and, Instagram. Uh, and I do podcasts. I'm in a podcast called Wooden Overcoats with Tom Crowley. Uh, that's the full name of the show, Pod- uh, Wooden Overcoats with Wooden Tom Crowley. with me, Tom Crowley. That's what I've called, rebranded it, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also Quid Pro Euro, the Quid very, very funny, Euro. absurdist comedy, bite-sized VHS comedy. But yep, absolutely. That's it. And I'm in Wooden Overcoats. You should listen to that. If you uh, have listened to that already and you haven't heard Victoriosity, What's Wrong With You? It's a brilliant alternate history, Victorian detective, sci-fi uh, podcast. And uh, also, if you've heard both of those, or actually, even if you haven't heard either of them, make your first priority listening to Crowley Time with me, Tom Crowley, which is my sketch comedy podcast on all good pa- podcast platforms now. I enjoyed you in an early episode of Flix Watcher. Yeah, that was very good. Episode one of Flix Watcher, Christmas Ham, the best episode. Just listen to so Tom Crowley, he's very funny. The best episode until now. Ah, well, there you go. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. Thanks for having, having us on. on can the we record best episode? two more now? Is that all right? We can do, yeah. We've got a screen here. We'll just pop go. Netflix on Let's and then watch we'll... a film and then just like record afterwards. Yeah, bash another we one out. Record Why not? it while we're watching it. Yeah. Mm, Christmas Ham. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood audio tell them flicks what she sent you you just heard a stripped media production